0: Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Hey, Brad.
1: How are you doing? Uh, Good evening, Andrew. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. It is St. Patrick's Day. It is. I made sure I wore my green shirt and green shoes today to be all festive and, you know, company spirit and nobody else did. So (laughs) It's probably because you work with a bunch of men, right? Uh, I do. But, no, there's... A few women, actually one person on the other side of the office who I don't actually interact with very often during the day did wear a green t-shirt I saw. So I wasn't hundred percent alone, but
0: yeah, I wore was... green. I didn't go to the office today, but I wore my, I have a green IMSA shirt. Okay, It's like the coolest IMSA shirt ever. I bought it when I was at, uh, Lime Rock last July. Cause okay. it's on the back of it. It says the Grady's like the eighties, but the Gradies. Okay. And it has all pictures of the really cool eighties IMSA cars.
1: Oh, huh, I like it. Yeah. And it's green. Like 787B and stuff or mm-hmm. I, I know, think that sounds super cool. <laughs> I don't remember now. But
0: like the 960s, I'm is... back I can't see it. Leave me alone. Yeah, and uh <laughs> the what were the 911s with the long tails? The six 96... nine 962? Were... No. Yes. I Oh, 911 with the 911 five nine thirty five 935s. That's what I was. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was thinking of the IMSA like GTP car, not the no. JD3
0: that's car. on there, and like I think okay. the I think the Jaguar's on there, and The silk cut Jag, yeah, and whatever what was the Lohmbruch car, was that a Porsche? That was a Porsche, yeah. Okay, that was
1: nine six two C. All right, probably the Mercedes Sauber C nine is probably one yeah. of them. Yeah,
0: and I think, I think the car, oh the the um, Gurney Eagle, I think is on the back, and the Toyota. And the cool. car that the guy, God, what did he drive? He was the drug dealer. What the heck's his name? He was he was selling weed to go racing <laughs> in IMSA.
1: It's funny, like fast forward thirty years. Yeah, yeah. Legitimate teams who were like, yeah, we just sell weed to go racing, but yeah. it's totally fine because yeah. it's medical. Yeah, he. It's funny because he he got off on uh,
0: probate or the parole. They paroled him because of you know they kind of delegalized marijuana a bit and de delegalized or decriminalized decriminalized it sorry yeah. and um <laughs> gosh what is his name there's a great dirty money episode yeah i can't i can't remember his name i know exactly or, who
1: you're talking about
0: but. maybe it's not dirty money but there's a, an episode of a show on netflix that talks about his whole thing i think it's dirty money it's either dirty Correct. money or there's another one that's just like that so and, uh, the
1: show well, the show that you can't think of is the guy you can't think of on it. So uh-huh. everybody go watch that.
0: Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Doing well. And I, I know there's a couple of people that know who this is, and they're screaming at us right now. So. Scott something? Yeah. The so. name's Scott.
1: Scott <laughs> Weed Race Car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scott,
0: Scott Mary Jane uh, Racing. Randy team. Lanier. Yeah. That's it. You know how I
1: found that really fast? Do you look up weed race car driver? That's exactly what I googled. Weed race car driver, and it comes up Randy Lanier. Yeah. So, but it looks like he's actively racing today, and he's actually racing in a medical marijuana car, which is a huge like FU to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Cannabis Sativa Inc. 911 race car. Yeah. So, excellent. Great, right? (laughs) Well, hey, it's, uh, I don't want to call him a hero for getting out and doing it because it was technically illegal at the time. So that's not. uh, I guess he's still a criminal, but hey, at least he at least he sold drugs for a reason that you or I would sell drugs. Yeah. Why did you sell drugs (laughs) to afford my race car? All right. I'll let it go. (laughs) So anyway, that's our green talk. Yeah. We talked about our green shirts and uh, marijuana race cars. Perfect. Yep. Moving on. Mm hmm. Yeah, I want to start with some car news this week, because there's a couple of things. We don't generally talk about new car news, but a couple of things have kind of uh, clicked across our radar that deserve mentioning, I think. Yeah, go for it. Well, one, we have been lamenting the loss of the Mitsubishi Lancer Revolution for years now, right?
0: hmm
1: Well, the Subaru side of that is now going to lament the loss of the STI. Yeah. So they're releasing a new WRX next year. Or it's coming out this year? or Is, no, is it out. 2022? <laughs> it's but it's out. out already? Okay, I haven't people seen have, one yet. People have been reviewing it. I haven't seen one in person, but there's been reviews out, and I've seen pictures of it. So is it a 2022 car, I assume? Mm, I think so. Go watch that documentary with that thing by that guy. Yeah. Let us know about this, too. We don't know anything. Why do you listen to us? Um, so the brand-new WRX is apparently out. And generally, when a new WRX comes out, all the enthusiasts are waiting to hear the news about the new STI, correct? Yeah, it's usually well, like a year later. The next, model yeah, about year. that. Well, unfortunately, this year Subaru just released a statement saying they're no longer developing internal combustion performance engines.
0: Wah, 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 wah.
1: Yeah. So the STI well, died with the EJ20. Yeah. <laughs> <The laughs> STI died how it was born, powered by the same engine for 25 years. They couldn't figure out how to hybridize an EJ20. So. Yeah, I guess not. Um. Anyway, so it's dead. There's not going to be a internal combustion, STI on this generation car. They're talking about how they still have performance cars because they still have the. They're still called a BRZ, right? They haven't changed mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the BRZ or BRZ, depending on where you're listening from. So they still talk about that still a, their performance car that and that Burz. I don't. I don't like. I don't like that. We don't call it <laughs> WRX or Rex. So yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, exactly. So, anyway, uh, uh, Subaru says they're done. There's no more internal combustion engine performance cars being developed. They say that the ever-tightening regulations are coming in too fast, and if they spend all this money on developing it, it won't be relevant long enough to justify their investment. So, I I don't know if I believe that or if it's a cop-out or what, but I wasn't planning on buying one, so it doesn't hurt me tremendously. Um, That would have
0: ruined it anyways.
1: Listen, so let's go back in time a few years to 2004. That was the first American market STI, right? Uh Uh-huh. So the STI in 2004 was a significant improvement over the stock WRX. Yep. The stock WRX was 227 horse. Yep. And then the STI was rated at 276, correct? No, it was like 300. Was it 300? I thought it was the, the gentleman's agreement was the official number still, though. Maybe first cars. Anyway, it was like, it was significant. About 300. It was significantly more power than the regular WRX. It was a 2.5 versus the 2.0, so it had more torque. It had different brakes, different suspension, different seats. It was a whole package. It wasn't just some emblems and some other stuff. It was it was legitimately a much better car than they the were WRX. Homologation cars. Hundred percent homologation cars. They existed only so a race car could exist in its silhouette. As the WRX moved on, the STI kind of lost some of its panache. And the last couple generation STIs, I don't think, were a huge, significant improvement over the WRX.
0: I think the last one still had
1: like 350 horsepower and an EJ25. I think it was less than (laughs) 350 horsepower. It wasn't a huge number. And we're now living in a world in the year 2022 where you can go to a Dodge dealer for 60 grand and buy a 500 plus horsepower car. Well, and for the same
0: money you could buy an STI for. That's you what I'm go, saying. You could go buy a Mustang GT.
1: And then it's 450 SS. horsepower now. Yeah. So they're huge, huge power difference, huge performance difference. The modern Mustangs and Camaros don't have as much of the same, maybe not deserved. Um, Hatred for, you know, solider ends and all that stuff. They're, they're, they're whatever. I know, but that argument
0: because of but, like the Evo and the STI, like they really
1: went to yeah. town on making those cars handle. Yeah. They made, they made everything out the box good. And, and I, I can take an old Mustang and make it handle good, but the new ones out the box are, you know, they'll drive circles probably around an 03 Evo or an 04 STI. Absolutely. More than likely. Absolutely.
0: Stock for stock, absolutely.
1: (laughs) We still hold those cars to a higher regard because those were our, like, you know, teenage dream cars or late, early 20s dream cars. And we actually each got one. I had an Evo. You had an SDI. Actually, you had an Evo as well. So we we lived that experience. We knew that life. But I can't imagine now going to a Subaru dealer and plopping down almost $50,000 for an STI that makes 30 horsepower more than the one did in 2005. Right. And doesn't do anything better than the 05. In fact, it's a bigger, heavier, you know, probably less sharp-edged homologation race car than it used to be. So, while it's official that the STI is dying this year and there's not going to be a new one, I I would almost argue that spiritually the STI has been dead for a few years. Am I... Off base on that, you think, Andrew? Or do you kind of agree with that? Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong. You're yeah, right. I, I feel like it lost its edge. You know, the 03 Evo, the 04 STI, they had a real they had a real edge to them that lasted throughout that body style, and each subsequent body style kind of lost a little bit of that... lost a little of that appeal, that that, like, razor-edge feeling they had. So... It's sad, but at the end of the day, the world goes on, right?
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you want an STI, you can still go buy an 05. They made thousands of them. They're still out there. They're expensive. Very expensive now. But they're going to cost less than a brand new one would have anyway. So, and as far as the driving experience goes, I think it'd be a better driving experience. Buy something boring to commute and spend the rest of your money on something fun to play with in the weekends.
0: Did you see... My recommendation.
1: Speaking of related cars
0: on bring a trailer like two two recent auctions that just started were like super low mileage evos like oh four to O sixes i don't remember the exact years with no like i didn't i didn't look nope. under like five thousand miles on them and you're like really not look like somebody just sat you just sat on this car
1: every car has that <laughs> yeah, every so car crazy anything. there's what was the geo metro they sold the other day with like 800 miles on it like if there's a car that exists somewhere, there's a low mileage version of it. Whatever the story may be. That's weird. It. Yeah. Who knows why, but they exist. Because even so. that that Evo is still going to need a timing belt because it's been sitting for 10 years. It's aged out. Plus, yep. yeah. That's weird. any car at that point, but yeah, I don't,
0: I don't right. get it. STI is dead. Um, speaking of new Camaros and Mustangs, uh, they are going racing again. Both of them. And so Mustang announced a GT three program for IMSA in 2024. So that's really cool. Uh, Cause there's a bunch of, so basically what's happening IMSA. Uh, I'm not the expert on this, but the basic gist I have from watching races I picked up, they are converting. So they are eliminating the GT Daytona class GTD. Okay. And there was GTLM. And I believe so, like, for example, I believe the C8 Corvettes were in GTD. Um, regardless, they're eliminating those two classes. And what they're going GTD to is where the C8 was. Okay. So they're, the yeah. yeah, they're eliminating those classes and they're going to a homologation GT3 class, which is a worldwide FIA standard for endurance racing.
1: Well, GTD is the replacement for GT3. Lamar or GT3? GTD is the new class. Right?
0: No. They are I mean, no. They are moving everything to GT3 specs.
1: Correct. But I think that there's still gonna be uh maybe I'm thinking too deep. I'm thinking outside of IMSA. Yeah. So IMSA's G T D and G T three is still gonna be like Lama and stuff. Like international racing will still be GT three.
0: No. IMSA is going to also go to GT3 rules, so that they can open the field up to more
1: vehicles. Okay, because the Ford GT was a GTE car, which I guess is one above D. Yes, I don't know. There's too many classes it, now. But it they used don't, to be very simple. <laughs> they don't they don't race it anymore, anyways. They do not. No, but I'm assuming it's, that the GT3 Mustang is going to be a lower so class actually.
0: Car, they may have even to switched to GT3. I think already because they were talking about the Corvette has been detuned because it is a GTD car, but running in a GT3 class. So it's it's detuned. Okay. Um, the, the point is that's why the Mustang is running GT3 because it can run. It's going to be able to run in IMSA and overseas all in the same class, the same rules. This was because there are, there's a huge field of GT3 cars. They've been racing, over in Europe for years already, IMSA right. wants to bring them over here to make the field bigger.
1: Um, which which they need to because you watch an IMSA race here and it's the majority of cars are prototype cars and prototype cars don't bring in the audience. No, and then it's like for it's it's like Porsche, Porsche, maybe a Ferrari, the Corvettes. So, okay, I just figured it out. So GTLM. Was the category at IMSA? Mm-hmm. GTLM is being replaced by a GT3 based class yes. that IMSA is calling for their own rule book GTD Pro. Okay. That's what's happening. So GTLM was the old class in IMSA. The GTD Pro is going to be based on GT3 class rules that confirm to the global GT3 rule set but IMSA calls it GTD Pro. So we were both right there. Okay. Okay. So it is GTD and GT3. So that's depending on where it races.
0: Yeah. They want to run the
1: same cars worldwide. Which Which makes makes sense. sense, Yeah. Financially and developmental wise. Like it it just makes sense. The cool thing is, is that this GTD slash GT3 Mustang um, is going to be, they've only released like a teaser image of the car, but it's going to be what looks like a, you know, remember the eighties, like silhouette racers. Yeah. So it's going to basically look like a Mustang, but it's going to have giant fenders and a huge billboard style spoiler on the back, like airfoil. So I am super excited for that because Mm -hmm. I would say silhouette racers are my favorite, like touring car racers because they're just so wild and over the top, but still production car based. So way into that, super excited for that. That news is a couple months old now the big news right now, which made us bring this back up because Mustang is going. Yeah. Today, you know, Lamar racing today. Hendrick made a pretty big announcement too. Hendrick racing. So,
0: yeah, they're going to run a next gen or gen seven. NASCAR cup car. Yeah, the car they call the, the next gen, which is the current gen now. Yeah. Seventh generation. Yep. Somewhere. I saw that too. I was like, okay, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, so that current car they're going to field in uh, a program called Garage Fifty Six for Le Mans, which allows for like prototypes to run. Yep. Uh, so, like the Delta Wing ran in it before. So, this is going to be an actual Cup car with some modifications. But not yeah, to have like some longevity modifications for sure. Yeah.
1: Different gearing and whatnot. Yeah, probably some
0: what? aero modifications. It'll be a it'll be a symmetrical car. I don't think they I don't even think they even tweak them anymore. I think they're pretty symmetrical now.
1: The the cool thing is is that this is a full-on NASCAR. Yeah. That's gonna show up in France and run Le Mans. It's probably the last time happened. they did this, yeah, it's in like 76 or something. Yeah, it's been a very long time, which they said they said nearly fifty years. So that puts it somewhere in the mid to early seventies. Um I I it's super cool. I'm super excited. The cool thing about this is we haven't talked much about it on the podcast yet because we haven't had much of an opportunity yet between a couple of guests and since the season started, but NASCAR is super exciting this year. Um, I know we talked about it last year and we were excited about some of the new stuff they were doing, but all that stuff culminated in this year's NASCAR season. Um, And the cars are totally new. They're totally different. And for lack of a better word, they're modern race cars, which will enable something that's almost box stock to the NASCAR rules. To compete at the level of Lama. Le Whereas if you took an old, you know, four speed, not special NASCAR car, it probably wouldn't have been as competitive as the current gen NASCARs are. So all these improvements have made kind of like a world class race car, and I'm excited to see it out there mixing it up with the rest of the world's race cars. That's gonna be cool.
0: Oh, I'm just like, I'm like, what modification uh Obviously, headlights and taillights, wipers. we will definitely need
1: headlights and taillights, yep, because <laughs> it rains. You know, different tires. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be other stuff added to it. They'll probably have like some kind of a quick change brake setup they don't have because they don't do endurance racing right now. Yeah, there, there'll be things that again, like you said, headlights and taillights, and other things that are required for endurance racing. Quick change suspension assemblies and all kinds of stuff to make it so if they they're
0: pretty damage, quick change. I better. mean, did you see them doing some of the the body repairs on these? Last couple of races.
1: Yeah, they have panels now. They never had panels before.
0: Yeah, they can just swap panels. Right.
1: Yeah. So. Well, that's the cool thing about these NASCARs this year too is that they have like an FRP kind of reinforced plastic body. Yeah. So when they do a little bit of like side draft bumping, they don't completely ruin the arrow on the car because it doesn't deform immediately because it's thin sheet metal. No. So, but that also enables these quick change panels and stuff. So Garage Fifty Six is interesting. I was just reading about that before we started the podcast because I wasn't actually even very familiar with it. You brought up that that's where the Delta Wing car ran, but it's neat because the cars don't have to conform to any other Le Mans classes. It's basically for developing new technology, developing new race cars, and being able to use them in a race environment without having to follow the rules of the existing race cars. I mean, obviously, they have some rules to follow and safety rules and stuff, but... I mean,
0: they figure you're not going to dominate, so... <laughs> Let yeah. you run
1: this thing as the Delta Wing proved time and time again. Yeah, just didn't work, but yeah. that's cool. Cool so, idea, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Listen, there's been a few of those over the years, you know. Back in F1 in the 70s, you had the Tyrell with the six wheels, and you know, they used to be the Lamar car with the giant vacuums underneath. There's always been something pushing the limit and trying something different, it doesn't always work, but the Delta Wing didn't work either. But it'll be cool to see a NASCAR competing at Le Mans I don't know what the kind of rules are as far as its competition is it actually racing I assume it is but I'm uh I'm into it I'm excited for it I'm glad it's a Camaro some of my favorite Camaros are the cars that ran Le Mans back in the early 70s which they weren't NASCAR cars but they were you know Camaro based Le Mans cars and they always had these big wide fenders and, you know, tons of Marshall driving lights hanging off the front of them. And they just kind of mixed the look of like a rally car with a muscle car with a road race car. And it's super cool. Look it up. There's a green 1971 Camaro that ran a few years. Yeah. And I love Camaros of all time. I
0: love C3 Lamar cars.
1: Like Corvettes. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Even though they never did really well. They now look they really look cool, cool though. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely look cool. And that's the same of the Camaro, too. It never won, but, man, did it look cool. They actually yeah. ran Camaros and Le Mans up through third gens. So,
0: Yeah, and Corvette had a really long history with running Le Mans, but actually True. wasn't really competitive until the the current team came along in 2000.
1: Yeah, with the C5. Yeah.
0: The C5R. And, R and the from, first from then to we're... now, they've had a lot of successes. Yeah. But...
1: Yeah, I mean Corvettes and running Le Mans since the '50s, since the dawn of Corvettes.
0: Yeah, they didn't really, um, <laughs> they really don't have a lot of wins. Up until the modern era.
1: But either way, they're cool, winning or not winning. Old race cars are always cool. So,
0: so the last couple of NASCAR races, I don't know. I wasn't. Fontana was cool, right? That was Fontana,
1: California. Fontana was two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. That, that was pretty exciting. I don't know. I wasn't super. I didn't find Phoenix to be super exciting. The but cool not every race Phoenix, is going to be.
1: The cool thing about Phoenix is there's no out of bounds. So huh. when they go into every restart, the cars would fan out six and seven wide with some cars down on the apron trying to pretty hmm. much cut the corner. And isn't the
0: track like asymmetrical or something?
1: Yeah, it's not totally symmetrical, but did did you watch the race? Did you see any of those starts that had like the scrambling of like seven car wide down on the apron?
0: I tried to watch most of it. Um, It was, uh, we got, I don't know, Marco's been real into basketball from like out of nowhere. All right. So I bought him by the sounds a kid's basketball hoop. Yep. And he was just real into it. And I had it on, but I was kind of playing basketball with him in the living room because we have a hardwood floor. So
1: how dare you not (laughs) pay attention to NASCAR? And play with your child and not commit to content for the podcast. Uh, I also was only half paying attention to the race because. But I was he sure would, he would pause
0: like. and go over the TV and just go race car. And then he'd go back to play basketball. All
1: right. I like it. This is so, a man for my own heart. Uh, those are my two favorite sports, race cars and basketball.
0: Or he'd run over to his Hot Wheels table and pull out. There's one yeah. that's a Hot Wheels race car. It's like a NASCAR Dodge race car that says Hot Wheels on it. And he. He knows to pull that specific one out, and he's like, race car.
1: All right. So you're raising a NASCAR fan because you'll take him to uh, New Hampshire Speedway in a couple of years. Yeah. Super cool. Anyway, I didn't really 100% pay attention to it either. Um, like I said, the cool thing about it was that there is no out of bounds, so the cars were just trying all kinds of wild lines. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Kurt Busch early on who actually did pretty well with going to the bottom of the track and getting that run on two or three cars every time he'd pull that move off before everybody else started to uh, started to make the same moves and make it less, uh, less good for him in particular.
0: Yeah, I think that's the big thing. When I was watching the California race, I, I was talking to you. There's, there's a lot of moving around, which is cool. Sure. There wasn't just, you know, freight trains of cars. Even though that's that was like a, it's like a mile and a half track, so it's not really a super speedway. But there was more than one line, which is what makes it really cool.
1: Yep, and yeah. it was the same in Phoenix too. If you'd been able to, I guess, maybe pay a little bit more attention, but there was definitely a, a lot of other lines they could use, and there was a lot of moving around. And I don't know, I was entertained by it. It was a good race. It was interesting having Danica Patrick, Danica Patrick, as a commentator. Um, yeah, two weeks I don't around. know there's ever been a female in the booth before, um, at least not as a regular commentator. And she's pretty good. Yeah. Um, It was cool to see another first-time winner of Phoenix this weekend. Uh, Chase Briscoe won the event. Uh, yeah, they've had a
0: different winner every race so far, right?
1: Yeah, and the cool story about Chase Briscoe is that he grew up a giant Tony Stewart fan, and they were talking about that yeah, in the broadcast. <laughs> and now he runs for his team. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that when he got out of the race car... Oh, the poor guy. Off. But man, poor- if, if that's not like a real genuine NASCAR driver, I don't know what is. He certainly wasn't hired for his looks. We'll put it that way. Yeah, the poor that's, guy's hair. <laughs> that's what you <laughs> want to see when you see a NASCAR driver. Like Junior Johnson didn't get out of his race car and look like a million bucks. He got out <laughs> of his race car looking like a sweaty, fat old man. So when Chase Briscoe got out and his comb over was blowing in the breeze and he had... <laughs> Thirty-eight inches of, you know, forehead. It was definitely. Uh, it was NASCAR driver. Yeah, I'm into it. That's
0: fine. Someone get that man a
1: hat. Yeah, their hat. They did pretty quickly, but it was still funny. And whatever, he's fun. A NASCAR race it doesn't. He can have yeah, he can care. Bell pattern baldness. He's still cool. But yeah, I I enjoyed the race. Uh, I'm not sure what he also did a. Weekend.
0: Did a wicked burnout like it was probably the best one I've seen all season
1: yeah he almost crashed the car doing the burnout is the <laughs> yeah. problem but it's alright he was excited good. Good man it's first the, NASCAR win. Oh, the yeah, team 40. cares because they don't want to have to fix it yeah, i like sure what yeah, it's... race is next do you know what race comes up next
0: I think they're done with west coast stuff
1: yeah that was the end of the west coast swing so I think it might be Atlanta is next maybe I think Atlanta is next. Uh, which is always a good race. So
0: Which is kind of crazy, right? Let's let's do Daytona and then push everything out to the West Coast.
1: No, let's do LA and then go to Florida. Oh yeah. That's so and weird. And then go back to the California and then yeah. do Phoenix and uh, Should new
0: new season opener, Sonoma. Do all the West Coast.
1: Well, they can't get rid of Daytona. That's not in the cards.
0: Oh, then you go back then it would to be season opener.
1: Yeah. But they wanted to do the season opener or something crazy. That's what they did.
0: Yeah. Like make it Coliseum. Sonoma.
1: <laughs> but they can't not do Daytona to open the race season. That's, that would be sacrilegious.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Clutch Close your them. pearls. <laughs> I I don't care. I, I could not care less, but the, Typical NASCAR base, I think, would be upset if Daytona was not the first race of the year. First points race of the year. I guess. If they opened the NASCAR season on a road course, that'd be great. But I don't think it's uh, ever going to happen.
0: I mean, the the Clash was last year, Daytona road
1: course. But the Clash is not a points event. The first points event every year since the dawn of time is Daytona. So Some traditions, I guess, just stick around.
0: All right, fine. Something crazy
1: next year's Clash Daytona Beach. beach. <laughs> yeah, let me do it. <laughs> I tried dirt last year. I might as well do something good this year.
0: Let's go right to the beach.
1: Um, <laughs> Some
0: paddle tires on these things.
1: I mean, I I'm way into it. They didn't have paddle tires, and they used to run on the beach, and it still worked out. So yeah, I guess the beach. No is hard. tires. Yeah, I'm way into it. Let's do it. You and me need to control NASCAR. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure how we're gonna pull that off, but. Oh, have you done any um, project car stuff, Andrew?
0: No. Uh, I got some stuff lined up. I've got parts uh probably do it this weekend, but I'll talk about that next time. Um I think you've done a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, some planned, some unplanned. It's been a uh it's been a week of of car stuff for sure. So, I guess we'll start with the unplanned stuff. I had a uh I had a breakdown the other day. Oh, you don't say. You say that like I have them all the time, <laughs> but honestly, when was the last time I actually broke down on a car on the road? I you don't know. remember, can you? <laughs> no. So you have this to... whole image and thought of me and all my cars breaking down all the time, but they actually the... don't.
0: We need a sign this many days since a breakdown.
1: <laughs> it's been, it has been years, Andrew. It has been multi. I've lived here now for three years in a couple of months, right? Yeah. Um, I have not broken down the side of the road here ever, so that's at least three years. No, just you just crashed on the side of the road. Well, <laughs> that wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> listen, we just sink the whole mood of the show, Andrew. Now I'm upset. Uh, I'm gonna you're go. right. Um, I'm still upset though. What was I going with it? Anyway, so the last time I broke down on a car, I was trying to think of that, actually, because I knew that the first thing you were going to say was something <laughs> along the lines of, oh, you don't say, or what else is new, or something along those lines. And I was 100% right. But I couldn't think of the last time I broke down on a car on the side of the road that required either fixing or towing home. Yeah, what happened to the Volkswagen the other week? I got it home.
0: Yeah, it to be towed. The issue happened? No, the coolant.
1: But it was from home, and that car doesn't
0: count. Broke down in the driveways;
1: that doesn't count. All right, that car doesn't count anyway (laughs) because it had just been serviced, and something from service was a problem. Okay, so, okay, okay. okay, so you're right. You know what? Hold on, back, back up. It doesn't count because I said, when was the last time I broke down on the side of the road? I mean, your
0: driveway is on the side of the road, right?
1: When was the last time? I broke down on the side of the road and had to repair a car to get home or get a tow truck. I can't even remember. The last day I can think of is on my Silverado back in like 2015 when I had to put an alternator in it on the side of the road in Georgia.
0: I mean, you guys patched
1: the windshield in the uh,
0: Yeah, clips. that's
1: different. I don't think that counts. Anyway, to get to the story, I drove the Colt the other day. Yep. I drove the Colt on like the commute time home on the 10 interstate, which I generally don't do. And I think the car was just mad at me for doing it because I don't like to be on the interstate during commuting hours. One, because the car is a 1978 Dodge Colt, it's not a very big car. I'm afraid to be, you know, hit in that car. Um, but two, because there's just tons of rocks and debris all over the place on that road. And I don't want to be replacing a windshield in a 78 Colt because. My assumption is that's not an easy thing to do. So I think the car was mad at me for taking on the interstate. I noticed it getting warm. It still was running fine. There was no steam coming out, but the gauge was getting pretty hot. Now, the gauge in this car is old. It's on the fritz a little bit sometimes, and sometimes you get a false read of hot. And you can kind of, you know just give a little tap on the dashboard and it'll go back to where it belongs. Um, I've taken the cluster out and cleaned all the connections. I I don't know what it is. It's something between the sensor and the gauge, but it generally works. Sometimes you get a little false hot reading. It goes to like a little over three quarters and then comes back down again. But even when it's at three quarters, if you take like a, you know, one of those infrared thermometers and you put it on the upper hose the temperature is like, you know, 185. So it's not like it's overheating. So what I noticed, though, is that the gauge is going beyond the normal hot. And I was like, oh, that seems like it's actually getting hot. But it's running okay. This is interesting. So I said, well, I'm going to take the next exit just in case and check everything out and make sure everything's all right. So I took the exit. I get to the end of the ramp. It's a red light. You can go right on red. Of course, the car in front of me chooses not to go right on red when I'm sitting there overheating. Eventually, get out of the way, I pull into a parking lot of a Penske truck rental place. For anybody who's from the Phoenix area, this is the 45th and Van Buren exit of the 10. Um, If you know anything about Phoenix, that's not the place that you want to be broken down on the side of the road. (laughs) It's not the greatest of neighborhoods, but... It is what it is. At least I had a nice big open parking lot. Uh, there was actually another couple in there who were repairing the belt on their F-150 pickup. So I wasn't alone in breaking down on that part of the tent apparently that day. Um, I got off, off the side of the road. I popped the hood open. And I noticed that my overflow tank was resting on top of the crossmember. Like, oh, oh, that's not where that goes. That doesn't belong there. And the cap for the overflow tank was on the other side of the crossmember. However, both parts didn't fall out of the car. They're both still there. So that's good. Um, It was hot. It was steaming like crazy. So I did not open the cap. I do have one of those caps with the little red pressure tab on top. So you can relieve relieve the pressure through the expansion hose. So I relieved all the pressure out of it. Um, It got to a point where it wasn't steaming anymore. And I pulled the cap off. And I was like, huh, I don't see any coolant. So I happen to have a, I have a 32 ounce like tumbler of water that I drink during the day. And I happened to fill it right before I left work uh, and I hadn't drank any of it yet. So I was like, oh, I'll put that in the radiator and see what happens. So I put the full 32 ounces in the radiator and I was like, huh, I still don't see any coolant. Hmm. That's interesting. So now I'm like, all right, well, this is not obviously ideal. So I look around and there was a, I could see like three blocks down the road, like the glow of the green from the diesel price on the sign of a gas station. And I was like, ah, looks like there's a gas station down there. I could probably walk to that. Again, not a place I want to walk because it's not the best neighborhood, but it is what it is. So I walked out of the gas station. I bought two gallons of coolant and a gallon of water. Um, knowing that the car doesn't take that much coolant, but just in case I was trying to drive home and the car kept overheating, at least I'd have enough supply to get home. Or you'd I have something I'd to drink and end it add, all. And the water would be to drink, though, maybe. But oh. not the coolant. No, I would not be drinking the coolant.
0: Oh, the forbidden uh,
1: Gatorade. Listen, the first breakdown <laughs> since 2015 is not a reason to drink Kool-Aid. The forbidden Ecto-cooler. Um, so anyway, I get back to the car. It's cooled off really good at this point anyway. I fill up. With the first gallon of coolant, it takes about half the gallon, um, which is a significant amount of coolant, especially because this car takes about three quarters of a gallon total, and I already put 32 ounces in it. So, I think I had no coolant left. I get the coolant in the car, I get it fired up, watching it, you know, watching the temp go up, temp goes up, I... The thermostat opens. I see the temp come back down a little bit. Everything's working great. Doesn't sound like I've hurt the car. Everything sounds okay. So, all right. Well, I'm going to try to drive the car home. So, I drove the car home. Made made it home. No tow truck. Which is, I guess, at the end of the day, a win, right? Yeah. I made it home. No tow truck. Um, Car is good. What happened after some diagnostic work in the driveway? The overflow tank has developed a hairline crack in the bottom of where it, it's a seam. And I think that every time I shut the car off and it cools down, a little bit of coolant seeps at the bottom of it. And, you know, I've been using the car all winter on a pretty regular basis. I've probably driven it 4,200 miles this year by my basic calculations. Um, that's a lot of miles. And I think just every time I shut it off, enough coolant leaks out to the fact that eventually there was no coolant left. So... You didn't notice it was leaking anywhere? I think it's it's a very thin hairline fracture. And I think it's only during a certain, you know, certain pressure when the car is maybe running or should it, or, or not running. I don't know. But it has not leaked anywhere, no. And there's no coolant in the oil. There's no milkshake at all. The, the, the oil level is always lower than it should be because it leaks oil. It's not like it's filling up with coolant in, the, in there. There's no bearing was, damage. So When was the last time you drove it? last time I drove it was a day prior. I drove it yeah. 60. I, I drove it 112 miles on Sunday. And I drove it 65 miles on Monday. And I was doing about 60 miles on Tuesday. So I drove it a ton this week. And just, I think it was just finally out of coolant. So I've been keeping an eye on the coolant. I drove it again the day after that. Um sure. After everything, I opened the radiator cap and there was, it was still full of coolant. No issues at all. Um, like I said, it's it's a very minor seep out the bottom of the the overflow tank. And I can see it now that I'm looking for it, but it's so minor that you don't even... You don't notice it. You don't smell it. It's a very little bit. So I think it's just over time enough leaked out. So I'm uh, searching for a replacement overflow tank. So Or I'll just put an aftermarket one on there and make a bracket for it, but trying to find the original style one it was the same on mitsubishi's from 1970 through like 1990 so
0: yeah i think it's the same one that is in first gen monteros and i've seen people one. get replacement new ones because um they turn yellow and you can't see through them
1: anymore yep, yep. and mine is pretty yellow and it's just it's just old and over time it just i mean it's a 78 so what's that 43 years ago yeah. Somebody so
0: recently it, I saw on Instagram had one that was five brand years new.
1: ago. Oh. It was like we'll it was like an OEM one
0: number. that was brand new.
1: I haven't even looked at the part number yet. I was just yeah, looking at the car part but, for any car that it fits.
0: Yeah, so it probably cool. comes The regular Mitsu dealer probably doesn't get it, but you can probably order it and it comes from yeah. overseas. There's I'm sure a two thousand
1: four Hyundai Galloper uses the same one, mm-hmm. so Yeah. It's probably still available. But anyway, so that's, at least it was minor. The car got home. Um, I did change the oil that night um, because whenever you get a car really warm, um, obviously it's not a good idea for the car in general, but it also breaks the oil down pretty bad. So oil doesn't do well with temperatures beyond where it's designed to work. So it doesn't have the same protection that it had before that. And I didn't want to drive it again without changing the oil, so... I try to keep a filter on hand for the cars that I own. So I had a filter on the shelf and uh, was able to change the wheel of my driveway that night. So all was well as I drove the car again the next day, did the full same 64-mile trip, took it on the interstate, no problems at all. was totally happy at temperature. So good things. Next project, moving on to the second one.
0: Oh, real quick, is the bottle the one that slides over, like, the bracket?
1: It's got a bracket that has, like, almost like a reverse. It, like, the two bars come off the fender well, and they curve outward.
0: Yeah, it, like, slides over it. Like, it's it a, slides over it, yep. Yeah, I think
1: it's I think it's almost like the same one that's on the glant too. It could be the same as the Glynut. It is different from the Eclipse I looked. Yes, so, that
0: Eclipse one is different. It's on the radiator. It's a tall, yep. it's a tall thin one. Yeah, yeah totally different. different.
1: It is. It is the same one in the Starion, though. I think I didn't even look, but I think it's the same one in the Starion. But I'm not robbing it out of that car yet, so I'll be able to get one. And again, it's not even like an emergency. It needs one. It just I should replace it. So I don't have the same. I just sent you one that I, I think is that's what it looks like. Okay, and that's it's cool. only like sixteen dollars, so I should probably buy it. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Luso Overland. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's the bottle.
0: Yep, so that's the same one they've been using for a million years. Yeah, just
1: like the oil caps. Yeah, that's it. Has a different the the cut in the front of that isn't there on mine. Mine's like perfectly square, but it's the same. It's probably interchanges with the same part number. They probably probably yeah eighty three to two thousand Montero. Hmm. So it's the same. It Looks like it's aftermarket actually.
0: Yeah. Yep, actually, I should I should grab year. one because because mine is um yellow in mine.
1: Cool. I'll order one after the podcast.
0: Yep. There you go. All right. Sorry. What was I? What were you saying before I interrupt you with that?
1: Oh, I don't know. Moving on to the next car. Oh yeah. A lot, the, of, a lot of car stuff this week. It's been a very productive week actually. The crescida. The crescida. So had I even started working on it last podcast? I don't think I did. No. I think this is all new this week. Heavy heavy updates. Um, the 1981 Toyota Cressida MX-62. We chatted about the car before when I bought it. I think I picked it up in November.
0: Oh, no, we did talk about it because you, you said you started it without uh checking anything or you didn't, you turned it over without double checking anything. It <laughs> wasn't bound up.
1: Yeah. That happened already?
0: Yeah. hmm Okay. Yeah, you powered it up. Everything lit up. Yeah, I had worked. done that. I had done that. Mm-hmm. I had moved
1: it out front and done that. I don't think I had started working on the back of it yet, though, had I?
0: No, you hadn't. You hadn't talked about draining all the fuel out, I don't think.
1: See, now I'm having a hard time remembering what I did. No, see, I think I did all that on the weekend, so this is all...
0: You powered it up. You cleaned it. Um, Disinfected it. Uh, I don't think you talked about steam cleaning it.
1: No. All right, so... I'm thinking back to what I did this weekend, so I can talk, tell the story of only what happened this weekend forward. But mm-hmm. um, So we talked about the car a little bit. I had moved it out front. We'd pushed it around. I got it off on jack stands. Um, first things first, I wanted to drop the tank out of the car. Yep. Because I don't want to start the car and run the car with old fuel in it.
0: Oh, boy. How did it, did it have old fuel?
1: It's, it did. Uh, it was very... It was very It was almost PTSD back to the 74 Colt last summer. Um, Same kind of age of the fuel of the cars. Last sticker was 2003. How much was
0: gas in 2003? So you kind of made money there.
1: Yeah, if it was still (laughs) gas, for sure. (laughs) I think it was you that told me I should put it on Facebook Marketplace for 2 bucks a gallon, right? Yeah. Yeah. See if somebody will come buy it. Yeah,
0: stale gas is a construct.
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not. It's uh, definitely turpentine. It smells... Absolutely horrible. I will say, though, that remember the problem we had in getting rid of the fuel last time? How much of a pain it was? Yeah. Um, Here in Phoenix, all you do is call the city and you say, hey, I have a bunch of um, hazardous waste to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, put it in a safe container and leave it in your driveway and we'll come get it.
0: Weird. Yeah.
1: So much nicer. So... <clears throat> I haven't done it yet, but I did look that up. I haven't done it just because I want to make sure I'm done with fluids before I, before I call it, because you're only allowed to do that so many times a year. It might even be once, but nonetheless, they come pick it up, so that's nice. Um, yeah, boy was the fuel bad. Um, I decided to get a siphon pump to pump it out. Uh, there is a drain plug in the bottom of the tank, but I knew that would be messy and awful. And plus it was so caked in stuff that I didn't know if I was going to be able to get it off. So I bought a siphon pump. Um, It took a while, but it actually worked pretty well. It's like a squeeze ball siphon pump. Like it has a rubber one-way valve on it. So as you squeeze the ball, it sucks the gas out of the tank and up into, you know, whatever you're storing it in. So I was able to go in through the trunk. I could act as an access panel for the um, level unit, the sending unit. So I was able to pull out the sending unit and had access to the tank. So I pulled the sending unit out. And of course the tank is 100% full of fuel. It was to <laughs> if the parker
0: car. Don't use all the gas in it.
1: <laughs> Just to, to the top, hundred percent to the top. So I was like, Oh good. And all I had was like a two and a half gallon, like, you know, fuel container to put it in I was like well, that's clearly not gonna work so in the end of the day we have two five gallon bucketfuls now and a two and a half gallon gas can full of old fuel whoa yeah so we have a lot of probably not flammable anymore liquid <laughs> in containers so but again phoenix will come pick it up so it's nice so that took a few hours to get all straightened out you know it took a trip to home depot to get cans to put anything in and it's just a it was a whole thing but yeah, so surprisingly the car was full. Um, I had like opened the trunk and like shaken the car back and forth a little bit to uh, kind of see what was going on. And see if I'd hear how much fuel was in there and didn't sound like much. But yeah, it turns it was out full. it didn't sound <laughs> like much because it was full. So there wasn't much room to slosh around. It wasn't that there wasn't much sloshing around. It wasn't there wasn't much free space to slosh around. So that was a bit of a shocker.
0: Plus it was um, like gel. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's pretty brown. It's. It's almost like a hundred percent like opaque is opaque means you can't see through it. Right. Yeah. It's almost a hundred percent opaque. So it's not, it's not good. Actually, you know what it looked like? It looked like a nice refreshing bucket of iced tea. Uh, That's what it actually looked like. Uh, It wouldn't be that obviously it would be, it would be gross. I should have used it to wash down the coolant though, but you know, I didn't. So (laughs) Um, anyway, so I got all the fuel out of the car. And then it was all right, let's get this tank out of the car. So I was looking to see where it was connected and what needed to come apart to disconnect the tank. Uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, it had a couple of bolts that hold the vapor line that goes up next to the filler neck if that was held to the body. I'd unbolt that. There were a couple of bolts holding on splash shields, took the splash shields down. And then there were two tank straps very similar to the style that Ooh, was in the tank that straps. Just did. Yeah. So, dropped the tank straps, cut the fuel filler neck disconnected. Um, and then I wound up actually just cutting the fuel lines because I'm going to replace them anyway, just the ones that are on top of the tank. Yeah,
0: I see the picture of them. They're all up close. I was like, "Oh, those are all dry rotted."
1: So, yeah. Oh yeah, they're them. terrible. <laughs> yep, just cut them anyway. So, actually honestly, they weren't that dry rotted. Everything was pretty pliable. I was pretty surprised.
0: The ends of them where the clamps were that in that picture, they're all That was dry rotted.
1: Yep. But the hose itself, the important part of the hose was not dry rotted. So, and I was looking at stuff, I was looking at the brake hoses and all that stuff under the car, not dry rotted. The filler neck is all rubber. It's not metal. um, And that's not dry rotted. So that kind of stuff is all in good shape. So, yeah, but fuel injection hose is cheap. So it's, it's going to cost me $12 in hose to replace all of it. So I'm just going to replace it all. Let's do it once and do it right. Right. That comes up later on the story too. This is all new Brad, obviously. Old Brad. It would be like, let's save everything and make it work. Yeah. New Brad doesn't want to do the job twice. He learned from the Raider. Do it right. Do it once. Move on to the next thing. So, get the tank out of the car. Um, it was a disaster. It was still full of crud in the bottom. Um, can't do much with it. It's just kind of gross. So, I got some... Also, everything in the bottom of the car is covered in mud. Like... Right. Super heavy, thick mud because the car sat on a muddy driveway for since 2003 until 2022. Or also, 21.
0: you said the road in there was like a dirt road.
1: It was a dirt road for a solid 12 miles, probably, to get to the property where it was at. So, it was just driven up and down a dirt road for a long time. Not its whole life, which we'll also get to later, but at least a long time. At least from 2000 to 2003. Um Or at least... Uh, anyway, we'll get there in a minute. It was a dirt, so it was a dirt road. It drove on a lot, and it was parked on mud. And I know that the water level in the yard at one point got up to the rocker panels. So that mm. means that the entire bottom of the car was soaked in mud at one point in its life. So mm. everything is literally encased in mud. And there were mud wasp nests everywhere, uh, all dormant, thankfully. There are no more bees in them, but there were all tons of mud underneath the car, which I've never really seen up close, I guess. They're gross. really just tightly packed mud. Yeah, it's weird. There's a bunch of little holes in it. Yeah. So we got the tank out. We got some basically like purple power. Um, yep. Sprayed the whole thing down, scrubbed the whole thing down. Everything looks brand new. Like all the alumina, the aluminum fittings and stuff all look brand new. They still have like the coloring of the anodized, you know, metal on them. Like not New England car, obviously, because it's super nice. Yeah. Uh, mud is a preservative I guess at that point because underneath the mud everything was real clean even the pads that go in between the tank and the body of the car were still like soft and pliable and not breaking and terrible so that's good so the tank out we finished getting it drained out the best we could Um was looking up all the different ways for like home remedies to clean the tank out mm-hmm uh, like
0: chains, vinegar, right? Yeah,
1: vi- vinegar and water. Uh, another one was um, mutraic so acid. Yeah. Uh, another one, acetone in there. Yeah, acetone is one. Another one was basically like the Zep degreaser. Like you buy mm-hmm. the like gallon bottles of it. So I chose to not use mutra- uh, mutraic acid in my driveway because two reasons. One, I don't want to dump mutraic acid all over my yard. Yeah. Um, Kill your grass. And we have dogs. it's just not yeah. it's not good. It'll, um, that's your concrete. yeah, that's what I wanted to play with in the yard. So I used the most I guess environmentally friendly give or take cleaner that I could because I knew I'd be basically dumping the stuff out. Um, unfortunately though, put it in the tank, agitated it as much as possible. A lot of things had to fill the tank with like rocks. So I bought some rocks. And then, oh,
0: I would have done chains because I needed all the rocks out.
1: Oh, well, so that was my thought. Originally, it was like, hey, I don't no big deal. To dump it upside down in those giant holes. No. But everybody was like, fill it with rocks. So I got home and I thought better of that. Um, yeah. Because there's all kinds of baffles and stuff in there. And I was like, no, this thing will forever have rocks in it. So I'm not <laughs> doing this. Um, I didn't think of chains on top of my head. So I was trying to think of the way to do it. And I couldn't think of a way to do it. So I let the stuff sit in it for like... 48 hours and went and looked in with a flashlight and it hadn't touched anything it was still the exact same amount of gunk in the bottom of the tank and if I took out like a screwdriver like a flathead screwdriver and scraped through it it was like millimeters thick of gunk and I was like man the second I put this back in the car and fill it with gas the gas while driving on the bumps and all that it's going to reactivate all of this stuff and the gas tank is just going to be full of trash
0: yeah because gas is a great detergent too
1: yep so, I uh, which would have been way more expensive to fill it with gas because, it's you know, it's 4 50 Well, gas that's why right
0: acetone now. is kind of similar in gas yeah. that way.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I also didn't want a giant thing full of acetone in my driveway. I was hoping to not build a bomb this weekend. Yeah. So, anyway, we contacted a local radiator shop. Uh, and asked okay. And they do fuel tanks, and they do. So, huh. for $150, bucks, they will take and they'll... Soak it in there, whatever the solution is. I don't know if it's acid. I don't know what it is.
0: Some Um, horrible chemical.
1: Yep. But he looked at it. Industrial chemical. He looked at it. Again, I always give her big ups when she helps me out, but she helps me all the time. So big ups to Naomi because she was able to bring it down on the lunch break of her work from home day this week, um, which is huge help. So she brought it down there and the guy looked at it and he said, well, it's pretty bad. He goes, I want to put it in the tank for four days. Whoa. So it's at the bottom of a tank. Oh, boy. Hey, right Carl. Now. This is the worst yeah. we've seen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Look at this thing.
1: <laughs> Where'd you find this? The Titanic? <laughs> so anyway, it's at the bottom of some tank now at Hal's radiator shop. Um, hopefully it comes like that. It's $150. bucks. it will sit down there for four days, and then I guess they boil it afterwards. And boiling it takes care of anything else in there that would have been um, nice, would become uh, sediment.
0: A nice boiled dinner fuel tank. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, he said, uh, I hope you're not going to be upset if the black finish is gone and get it back. So I'm not worried about that either. So if the black finish is gone, uh, you we'll can spray paint the gas tank. Eastwood
0: makes that paint.
1: You can, Yeah, tank paint. Yeah. <laughs> I might just do it anyway to make the car look uh, professionally <laughs> yeah. clean in the bottom. So anyway. So, yeah. So here's the tank right now. It means we dropped it off on Wednesday. I won't get it back till Monday. Um. The hope was to get the car back together this weekend and and see, you know, what's next, but it's not going to happen. So I did order in advance. I ordered a fuel pump, a fuel filter, some tune-up parts, a fuel line. The plan is to replace all the line from the fuel pump. Sorry, excuse me. All of the fuel line from the fuel filter to the fuel tank. And anything on top of the tank will all be new lines. Uh, I'm not going to replace the lines in the front of the car from the filters to mm. the rail. But I'm going to clean those out before I plug it all back together.
0: Is it so a DC take... pump?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I bought the Delphi pump. All right. Yeah, 100%. I, after learning, I learned that lesson with the scenario, and by the good pump, right? Yeah. So there were there was a couple different options, a couple brands I hadn't heard of.
0: Bosch or Denso. Or...
1: There was no Denso option for the car. Um, the option for the car that was the best name brand was Delphi. Yeah, Delphi so, makes pumps. Uh, yeah. So I figured Delphi would be a good enough brand, right? Yep. Is that passed the Andrew brand test. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it was like it was $65, I think. I spent like 150 bucks on Rock Auto, and I literally got almost every tune-up part that I need except for injectors. I don't know that I need injectors yet, so it was a pretty cheap purchase. Um, so anyway, I got all that stuff so I can get all that replaced this weekend so when I get the tank back on Monday— it should only be a couple hour job tank back in the car. Yeah. The exciting news is that when all that was done, we went to the front of the car and I said, well, nothing else we can do mechanically right now until we know. So let's put a little fuel into the intake and see if the car will start. Car started. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. It required zero effort. Cool. Literally put a little fuel in there, cranked it over on like the second crank the car was running. Hmm. And it ran until it ran out of fuel in the intake. Nice. So proof of concept, the car runs. Um just gotta get fuel from the tank to the engine. That doesn't mean that we're out of the woods, obviously. Um we haven't got it up to temperature, you know, could still need a head gasket, worst case scenario, I think. We don't know the condition of the injectors. Could still they could still all be gummed up. Um, I'm going to clean I like, those this weekend.
0: Um, like the red line stuff, your first tank. There's some red line fuel system
1: cleaner in it. Yeah, I'm going to clean everything before I even put it together. So my plan this weekend is I'm pulling the injectors out. Oh, um, uh, you're going to do that I'm, bench thing? i going to do the 9-volt battery bench clean. with? Yeah, they could uh, use acetone, right? I uh, I usually use the B12 car- uh, carbon fuel injector cleaner, right. the chem tool stuff, because it's specifically what it's designed for. So you might as well use it. Um, it works really well. It's not a hard thing to do. So I'm going to pull all the injectors out and do that. And like I said, I'm going to blow the compressed air through the lines to clean them out. And if I need to put some solvent in there, I'll put some solvent in too. But I just want to make sure that fuel isn't going to be an issue. Make sure the car starts and runs. So A, I can get temperature. Make sure the fuel pump is pumping. Make sure that, sorry, make sure the water pump is pumping. Uh, make sure the head gasket is sealing. Make sure that the transmission is shifting. I mean, the worst case scenario now, the two things it could need would be a transmission or a head gasket. Because proof of concept, everything else works. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you don't know why it was parked. Man, that would be a while it was just parked to be parked.
1: So, moving on with the story. We did a deeper cleaning inside the car this weekend. Um, And during that deeper cleaning, we uncovered a registration. And the registration was from the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm so alabama in 2000 and 2000 actually the year 2000 the car was registered in alabama so the expired new mexico plate is from 03 so my assumption is that the car was driven from alabama to new mexico and then parked and then left there when this person moved out of new mexico because i did some. Digging based on her name because there's a name on the registration mm-hmm. and I get the name of Mary Tate Hammond. Um, she's unfortunately deceased, but she was born in 1931 in Alabama. Um, she passed away in 2018 in Amar- uh, Amarillo, Texas. And in looking her up in between, she was a school teacher in Alabama, who uh, a, a music teacher who moved to New Mexico to teach music in New Mexico Mm -hmm. with an address in Ramah, which is the town I got the car in. And the guy I bought the car from said that the car was on the property when he bought the property. Weird. He bought bought the property and there were three cars on the property. There was a Astrovan, a first-gen Montero, and this Cressida. Unfortunately, he had sold the Montero and I missed out on it. Um, but he said that the Montero ran and drove when he got the property and he literally drove it to Mexico city and then back to Phoenix from Ramon, New Mexico, which is six hours from Phoenix. Huh. So which means he did 12 hours in that car and he, and he had a windshield put in in Phoenix. And then the guy who put the windshield in said, Hey, I want to buy this. And he said, well, I have to go to New Me- to, to Mexico city first. I'll sell it to you on the way back. And that's what he did. So the first of on was somewhere here in Phoenix. Um, but anyway, so I found the registration for Mary Tate Hammond and all the addresses line up and all the dates line up. So it looks like that she drove the car from Alabama to New Mexico, New Mexico to do a teaching job there. And then she and her husband retired. It looks like around Oh three Oh four based on what I'm finding on the internet. Cause the internet is a scary place and moved to Texas with their families. So, maybe they decided they didn't need to bring all their stuff with them to Texas and just left the car there. Yeah, Maybe because it, the car seems frozen in time. <laughs> it's so, it's very strange. So anyway, I, it's kind of interesting that she's buried in Amarillo um, because we drive through there all the time on the way to Naomi's sister's house. You know, it's, it's kind of on the way in the Texas, Oklahoma side of things. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to get this car running and driving and then like, Maybe find her gravesite and take a picture of the car with her gravesite as like a, a tribute to her, you know, put a flower on her grave and like tie the whole story together with the car, right? Yeah, it, just a weird little story. I, I thought it would be interesting. You might not think it's weird. You, you might think it's weird, but I thought it'd be kind of cool. So anyway, it was a neat story. It's a little, but, little history. Uh, the about Goth the car. Kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so listen, it's it's a we're telling the story of the car. We're we're, we're building the car's future. It's it's kind of a. Kind of a whole thing. So it's not like it's out of our way. We go there all the time, like three or four times a year. So anyway,
0: I want to talk about that it was neat. fuel tank. That feels like a, a real out there um industry to have a place that'll clean fuel tanks.
1: Uh We have a bunch of radiator shops out here, too, which are not yeah. out there. I mean, there's still radiator yeah. shops there, but I remember I don't think it,
0: they're very good.
1: They did the one Here. In, the, in the cult, the one on yeah, the, uh, one or somewhere or was it the,
0: Rogers? Like, I don't know. I don't think they did Rogers a good job. The, the one to the glant, maybe I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's flowing right.
1: I will tell you, they did a decent job with the one on the cult. But the one thing I did not like, and I specifically asked them not to do it, and they did it anyway, was to paint it when they were done. Yeah,
0: they painted the glant one. I don't know if that's having to do with the.
1: Yeah, cause it's like it's like they used like Plasti Dip. It's so thick.
0: Yeah, it's Pretty terrible. Yeah, I would I would have used the Eastwood radiator paint instead. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah the they definitely used
1: it. like Krylon.
0: Yeah, it's but weird. I don't know. It's not. I, know. I think it's not flowing that well either, because it's just not. It's not eliminating enough heat as it should. Yeah, I've talked know. about this before. I, I actually, that was one of my things. I did order a radiator for it from Australia. An aluminum one. Yeah, because nice. it's the only place I can get one. And it's a, yeah. apparently, I tried to order this one that was, it was a Chinese one. It was in this company in LA, and I ordered it. And they're like, oh, we don't make it anymore, and it's out of stock. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Uh, and it was like fairly cheap. And then I looked up, and it's apparently, there's like some posts from like 10 to 15 years ago of people having these on the glant forums. And then they were kind of hard to get. They're still kind of hard to get because I had to order from Australia. It was a little expensive, but the U.S. dollar is stronger than the Australian dollar right now. So that kind of worked out. But oh, excellent. it's a power fit. rate. So it's like and they're all handmade apparently to order. So, OK, um, so it's take whatever five week's lead time or whatever. It's like 10 weeks. OK.
1: Oh, whatever. Um, it's be ready for a warm season there.
0: Yeah, because the only other option would be a, a Koyo radiator for an Evo one to three, which apparently are no longer made either. Okay, cool, sweet. It's kind of annoying. Some of the older stuff here is not, and even come to find out, the coil radiator I have for the Galant, or for the Talon no longer made. Interesting. Like I, at, least, at least I grabbed that at the right time. Although do I do have a is... spare, because of the two holes in it, I just need to have somebody weld it. It's it's brand I new.
1: Could... The good thing is, is that parts like radiators, you can technically use a universal one and just have something built to size and make Technically, yeah. Like, yeah. So at the end of the day, it's not like it'll end the car's life forever, but at least you got one coming.
0: Yeah. It's like thicker and it'll fit and um, hopefully it helps with the cooling because that's really the problem. It
1: was like probably too cold.
0: Yeah, but even putting a, a cooler thermostat, and I have those air guides I made to substitute the factory ones that were missing. You know, I've got that data log of doing 70 miles an hour on the highway at night. The ambient temp is 70 degrees, and the thing's running 210. That's, like, yeah. way too hot. It should have been, like, 180, 190. It's funny. I don't. It think basically be thermostat.
1: Temp, I don't think ambient temp has a huge um, effect on a car when it's moving.
0: It shouldn't okay. when it's moving, but it's like it is a data point. But it Yeah. Um if it was if I was sitting in traffic, then definitely.
1: Oh well, sitting in traffic it makes a big difference because you're sitting there on the hot pavement and the pavement's radiating the sun and it makes it help you know, it gets But that's why I was like, I'm
0: gonna drive the thing at night and test the heat, because at least it'll Yeah. It was like nine like, o'clock at night, so like it should have cooled off by then and like yeah, the car should run nice and cool.
1: I had that conversation often at work and people talking about well, just overheat in the summertime. It's like, well, the car's thermostat's hundred and ninety degrees. Yeah. So theoretically, if the car's moving, it shouldn't be affected by a hundred and twenty degree day because the car is already hotter than hundred and twenty degrees. Like,
0: it's... well, it's being able to shed that heat too. Again,
1: that's what I mean. When 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 you're sitting still, it's one thing, but when the car is moving, it, it definitely should. Yeah, you be get, get wind effect. chill. Yeah, but not even wind chill. It's just. The temperature is the temperature at that point. You're not going to have that boiling off the asphalt quite as warm as you are sitting there sitting still. I don't know. I just that's I wind chill. <laughs> that's what
0: I, that's right. what I mean. I, I guess you're right. You're moving through that. the air, so it feels yeah. cooler. You're you're there's more air moving across it to a you know because heat wants to go to cold. So
1: yeah. anyway, my point is when it's 120 degrees here, your car should not overheat any more than it should when it's 30 degrees Massachusetts. Yeah, because the rain properly. Because yes. the car runs at one hundred and ninety to two hundred degrees, so right. that that swinging temperature shouldn't be a huge difference for the car, anyway. Well, that's
0: where I that's where I want it, and the car is not running at that; it's running over that, right? And then it huh? makes it idle higher, and it makes it well again run hotter, I remember, and then
1: I, it's less less efficient too. Yeah. I remember driving the car in twenty seventeen up Mount Washington, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, and it was overheating driving up Mount Washington. So, well, it, that was, was also load going uphill, elevation in traffic, but still, it wasn't a situation well, where the car should have been overheating.
0: Well, it turned out the fan was bad too.
1: Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Yeah.
0: So, but now the fan is just running because the fan switch is like, it's uh, too hot. Yeah. It's, I forget what the temp is on it. Which maybe it's is October. why the
1: fan burnt out in the first place because it was just overrunning all the time.
0: I think it was just an old fan. It was, it seemed kind of rusty, but it know. was, um, yeah, it should be. That's the other thing. Once you start moving, if the fan is going, you're actually restricting airflow. So you yep. want it to, once you get that airflow and the temp can come down, the fan should shut off and then you'll get right. more flow through. It's, it's basically just not, <laughs> not enough flow getting through the air, air the, through the radiator to yep. sh- shed heat. Um, because everything else should be fine. And, you know, the water pump is fairly new. So, just not a good exchange of heat. So, hopefully the aluminum radiator should do it.
1: All right. Well, going back to my story, Andrew. You ready? Yep. Um, The last thing we did with the car was deep cleaning in the interior. We're not done because it's taking a long time. But we're done with the driver's side. Um, by deep clean, I mean we took the seats out. We... Pulled the center console out because we weren't going to pull the center console out. But as we were cleaning along the edge of it, mouse droppings were coming out from underneath it. So we were like, that's not cool. We got to get rid of those. So I took apart the whole center console and a mouse had been living up in front of the shifter. So obviously a mouse came up from the bottom and came in the, like the hole in the floor where the shifter goes through and was living mm-hmm. under the console, under the radio. So that was just covered in... Signs of mouse, but we tried a new thing with the car, which we've never done with the car before. Um, I've never played with steam cleaning. It's quite impressive. Really? I thought for sure I was going to have to either buy a whole new carpet set or buy like the aerosol dye to change the color back because the carpet was so stained and so gross and what looked like rusty stains everywhere. Um, I think what it really was, was mouse life and droppings and everything. Um, So we used the car's cloth seats and obviously carpet. Um, And we used, we did like a two-part cleaning system. So as you know, and listeners probably know by now, we have three dogs. So obviously we have a, like a vacuum, which is specific for dog hair. Um, it's made by Bissell and it's called the ProHeat Pet Spot Clean. So what it is, is it's a, you put the cleaning solution in it and it's not a steam cleaner, but it uses like super hot, super heated water with the cleaning solution. And then you like, you scrub it in and vacuum it up and you can see like the brown grossness come out of the, the whatever you're cleaning in this case, carpet and seats. But on top of that, we also have this, um, little, another, another Bissell product called the steam shot. And it literally takes super heated water, so steam, and it puts it out high pressure and a nozzle with these like bristles in the end of it. And then you can scrub it into something and the steam actually releases the dirt and the stain. And then the other one with the carpet cleaning product lifts it out and you can watch the brown grossness like be vacuumed up out of the seats in the carpet. And there was on the side of the driver's seat, a stain that was so like dark and, (laughs) and terrible that I thought for sure it was never going away. And we used the steam cleaner and did it three times. And it's like a brand new seat now. So the interior of this car, other than a couple of cracks in the dashboard, because Southwest car sitting in the sun uh, is like brand new. It's, it's pretty impressive actually the only thing it's going to need is a headliner because the entire headline is gone. So like this, this steam cleaning is, it's like a miracle. I don't, I've never used it in a car before. I, I don't even know that I ever knew there was home steam cleaning equipment available. That wasn't like a giant industrial machine that you rent from home Depot. Um, hmm. but Naomi's daughter, Courtney got it for her for Christmas, the steam cleaner. And, uh, and she loves it. We use it in all the grout in the house. We, we thought we had gray grout um, because it's been the same color since we bought the house. We use a steam cleaner on it. Guess what? We have white grout. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like we didn't know it was dirty. We, we, we don't live in a dirty house. We clean the floors all the time. But the steam cleaner like did what the normal floor cleaning products don't even do. And it took this gray grout. You know The grout's been on the floor probably. It looks like original tile from 1978. So... We just made it all white again. And we're like, let's try this in the car. I don't even know why it came up as a subject or a thought, but we tried it in the car and it is. This 1981 Toyota is going to look brand new. We're done with it on the inside anyway. So. Sounds like so, I should have used that on the garbage <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it might have worked had we done it at the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use it on everything. I mean. Hmm. the is it work my beard? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think high pressure steam on my face is a good idea, but I think anything other than that. You don't know until you
0: pretty... try. You don't know until you try. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I'll let you try first. Next time you're out here in Phoenix, we'll uh, let you steam clean your face and see what happens. But I'm not going to be the guinea pig on that one. I'll tell I, you that
0: hey, much. they do a hot towel shave when you're at the barber, right? So... Yep.
1: yep. Here's your high pressure hot water shave there. No, I don't think so. But anyway, so it's it's all good news with the car. Um, I'm super excited. I actually test fit one of those wheels. Um, the Anki, what are they called it again? Spit 92s? Modena. No, the Spit oh. Modena. Spit Modena. Spit Modena. So I tried one of those out uh, on the car, and it's going to look cool if I use those. Um, my my drunk
0: buy purchase.
1: Yes, which I appreciate because they're cool and they fit my stuff perfectly. They're actually a little. They're actually a little too small for the crest that I require. Maybe, maybe a small spacer in the rear. But I'm not gonna worry about it. I don't know what. What do you think the offset is on those? Zero? Uh, no, it's higher than zero. I think it's plus fifteen, like plus fifteen or so somewhere in that range. Mm. And it's only a six and a half inch wide wheel. Yeah. So a little, a little narrow guys. Yep. Which I mean, the car only has a six inch wide wheel factory, so mm-hmm. it's wider than the factory wheel, so it's not a big deal. But I just want to like tuck it out a little bit I mean the the my blue 79 Cressida has eight inch wide wheels on it so mm. oh, anyway so yeah I'm uh, I'm excited with how the car is coming along um knock wood it hasn't given me too much trouble uh it's for a $600 car in the year 2022 it's pretty neat so cool and stay tuned there may have been another car that's been in the works so, a what? Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it next week, maybe. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. <sighs> Sorry. Listen, sometimes <laughs> deals come up and you can't pass them down. Oh sure, 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 sure. It already runs and drives. It's fine. It's not a project. <laughs> uh, if it winds up happening, it's only because I'm selling the Volkswagen, and between the this car that already runs and drives, and hopefully the Cressida. I'll have the two-car solution for a daily. Two vintage cars plus the Eclipse. So three vintage cars equal one modern car when it comes to trying to get to work, right?
0: All right. All right.
1: So And it has functional AC, too. So summertime's coming here. I need this vintage car with AC. Okay. So, we'll talk about it later.
0: All right. Does this 81 have AC?
1: It has AC. It does not function. Uh, I actually okay. gave the little to the uh, fitting just to see uh, and it is quite empty so huh. there was no tss. it made no noise but silence all doesn't right. work so well but it will have AC yes I will I will fix the AC That's. I'm just I'm trying not to get ahead of myself with the car I don't want to go through all this work and then have it need a transmission Um. which isn't the end of the world I think it's actually a Borg Warner in this car so it's actually easy to find I think it was used across a lot of cars but I haven't done enough research in that yet, so hopefully it doesn't need one. Hopefully it doesn't need anything. Hopefully my theory about them moving away and just leaving their stuff behind is true. I hope so too. Yeah, it would be amazing. Would be the best six hundred dollar car ever. If that was the case.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll have to change it to uh, six hundred dollars. The new motto.
1: <laughs> well, this this car and the other one that I'm talking about would average eight hundred. So no oh, boy. So it's fine. All right. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's it, Andrew. What was a uh, quite a full episode of Cressida Talk.
0: Now let's wrap it up. All right, getting the wrap up signal here. Um. All right, cool. So, as always, uh, you follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic Instagram. You follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. I'm on Twitter, Race and Anger. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Auto Off Topic. And uh, Brad,
1: where can they find you? Uh, as always, they can find me at TSI SS three five zero on Instagram and make sure to follow our scale autocast, which is our Instagram page for Instagram page for our yet to be recorded podcast. Um, but we're building building some excitement there with some scale car stuff and we'll we'll, uh, we'll have that for you soon. All right, cool.
0: So as always, keep cars analog and name for the roses.